when he drove home from there, he had a vision while driving. Apparently, this drive took him without noticing some four hours. And during that drive, before his eyes, he saw the future of humankind enrolling in the negative and positive sense. This is the podcast to restore your faith in humanity. Once giraffe heroes, we now call our participants guardians of humanity. Courageous, tireless workers for the common good. May each of them inspire you to follow in their tracks and contribute your own part to a just society and a healthy environment. I am your host, my name is Dimi de Mortier, and today with us is Tom Amat, the founder of the Giraffe Heroes Europe and inspirator of the Guardians of Humanity. Tom will tell us about a person whom he calls the most fascinating and inspiring person he has ever met, and God knows he has met a lot of great people in his lifetime. We're talking about Hubert Maria Dietrich, also known as Humadi. Hi, Tom. Hi, Dimi. For once, we are not going to talk about the person uh, who is here with me today, but we're going to talk about another person. Is that right? Well, we are talking about the guardian, the giraffe guardian, guardian of humanity, whom I baptized Humadi. His name is Hubert Maria Dietrich, which is a very heavy-sounding German Name and I made out of it Humadi, and Humadi gave his blessing for this new name of his, and I think we can go along with it. Is that why I find so little about him on the internet when I Google Humadi? Because when I Google Humadi, I, I bump on a surgeon in England and a few American scholars and researchers. Uh, Uh, also Iraqi people. Yes, it's a pretty new name. We commended uh, Humadi in 2021 during the pandemic, the so-called pandemic. And since that time, that name is in circulation among the guardians of humanity. But since we are not so much keen about publicity, so on the internet, you pretty much find nothing about Humadi when you Google Humadi. But then again, if I Google Humanum, that's another uh, story. I do find a lot of things. Yes, that's because Humadi has, is calling his enterprise, I mean, what he is doing, creating in terms of products and uh, services, he has branded that Humanum Eco, which apparently is the house of men. And he himself regards himself, simply speaking, just as a human. Therefore, Humanum Eco. Okay. And uh, could you please explain us why and how did Humadi catch your attention, Tom? Well, 
Umagi caught my attention as most probably the most striking personality I have met in my not that short life. And that, of course, led to then the later fact that we nominated and commended him as a guardian of humanity. And it has led over the last two years to a deepening friendship between him and myself, something about which we are going to talk today. We talk about him and not with him, because while he has uh, extraordinary talents and capabilities, he doesn't have the blessing of a language talent, wherefore, apart from his mother tongue German, you won't find it too comfortable to converse with him, maybe in French. But you made me uh, curious because you said he's the most striking personality probably that I've met in my not-so-short life. So uh, we're not going to go deeper into that, but uh, some other day you must tell me about all the other people that have caught your attention because I think you did meet a lot of very, very warm and spiritual and loving and intelligent people. So that makes me very curious about uh, Humadi. Yes, so and it makes me really hesitating to try to talk about him because, of course, the more extraordinary someone is performing and is in his life, the more difficult it is to talk about him in a way giving justice to that personality. Um, perhaps we start with a simple quote from him. One of his quotes, which I like most, is you are what you give and you become what you are prepared to be. So let, let me repeat that. You are what you give and you become what you are prepared to be. Doesn't that sound very much like the laws of karma and dharma in the ancient uh, Vedic tradition? That's exactly what it is. And the whole work and activity and devotion of this man actually comes out of the appreciation of being, whereby this being here understands in a most comprehensive way as he would say, as creation. Maybe before we deepen into that uh, perspective, can you tell me what is Humadi's background? He was born in a small village not far from Mainz, that's in the Frankfurt area. And his father was running a laundry shop for a nearby hospital. Yeah, a laundry shop. This this means that since I had a look at the Humanum website and found that a big part of that is dedicated to Bootswasser, which is cleaning water. Uh, yeah, I find it striking that his uh, father had a laundry shop. Is that? Do you think it's coincidence? Well, let's use this thread you give there to make that link. The laundry shop, which the father was running, was operating with, especially at that time, just after the war, with the most dangerous detergents in the world and cooking the stuff at high temperatures. And 
What Humadi did with the water was practically the contrary. I mean, he creates his boots water out of finely but totally naturally filtered natural water with which he then does what he calls deinformation. And if we want to talk about that deinformation, we will certainly. Uh, then we touch the whole philosophy of Humadi's production process. There are a few interviews with him on the internet. Um, they are in German, and my German is not perfect, but I, as I understand, he is very clever in understanding uh, atomic principles, energetic fields, the way light works, the way sound works. Is that because he studied that field? Does he have a PhD or uh, anything of the sort? Is he a physicist? Is he a chemist? Thanks to this uh, point, Timmy, because to uh, answer that question, we have to go to the person himself. Uh, all what you said is correct. He has an extraordinary understanding of science, but not only science, also what you traditionally call alchemy. Now, to exemplify that talent, what he has, let me tell a story from his later teenager's time after he had finished school. He first didn't know what to do, but his father, the laundry man, urged him to become something in life. So he took the yellow pages, you know, if you remember from that time, you didn't have the internet. He took that yellow pages and started from A, and by the time he re had reached B, he put his finger on brewery binding, which was a local small brewery. Oh, he thought, I like to drink beer, and to make beer must be quite an interesting process, especially good beer. Now, he started their uh, apprenticeship as uh, brew, brewing, I mean, the higher level. So, in short, he was to become a brewmaster himself. He did that for a while, but after a year, he had figured out that this process of making beer was a nice process, but really not challenging for him. So he went back to the brewmaster and uh, amazingly convinced the guy to shorten his apprenticeship from the regular three years to half of the time. So he left the brewery after 18 months. He then traveled quite a lot to the south of France, where he was singing on the street. I mean, he's a great musician too, right? Plays the guitar like you. Not that well, but he is a great composer of his own songs and he is a charismatic person. So he assembles other musicians around him, composes the songs for him. And as he puts it himself, uh, I make music, but then I bring in the musicians who make real music out of it. So he was for two years regularly in South France at the Mediterranean making music, enjoying himself with friends. And then his father again told him, 
this is impossible the way you spend your life. You will never make anything. So, okay, he enrolled in a local gymnasium and again managed in the shortest time possible to do the Matura. So, after the Matura, instead of starting to study, he got an employment by the local Big Blue subsidiary, I mean IBM subsidiary, uh, in Mainz. He started to work there in the night shift, for which good money was paid, because it's a night shift, right? And uh, was, simply speaking, soldering certain components onto the circuit boards, right? Completely boring. So after a few months, he decided to quit again because it was too boring. When he just had decided to quit and he is coming back home from the night shift at five in the morning or five or six in the morning, drops into bed and falls asleep, 6.30, the telephone rings. And his mother has his boss over the phone line who tells the frightened mama, your son has to come back to the office immediately. But he's just went to sleep. He has to come immediately. Now, Humadi was completely flabbergasted because he didn't remember to have done anything wrong. So he, with a hesitating attitude, goes back to the company and is invited directly into the office of the boss. And the boss gives him a contract and say, you sign here. Humadi is stunned and tells the boss, but I want to quit. If you want to quit, you also sign there, but first sign here. We give you an employment contract. You can make career in IBM if you, if you want. So this, this was IBM that we know, the, the big computer. Yeah. Um, okay. So what had happened? Now, Humadi was bored in the night shift, right? So since at that time, everything was not as closely controlled as today, when he had finished his few uh, soldering jobs, he went to the computers who were operating, very big computers that time, right? Who, you, who were operating the robots, which already that time were used to then put certain components together. Now, he looked at the process, how these robots worked, and found it pretty stupid, or he found it, in other words, worse than upgrade. So he went into the computer programming system without ever having learned IT, okay? He went into the system, understood the system, and improved the whole programming in a way that the robots work twice as fast. The boss, the boss, of course, was completely stunned because he had never seen something like that and re realized that this uh, assistant worker he had for the night shift was a potentially brilliant engineer. Now, I'm telling this story because it also shows the intuitive talent of Humadi for numerous things, be it biophysics, be it uh, uh, nuclear, be it radiation, Whatsoever, right? He never had seen a computer program. 
He looked at that program and intuitively understood how it works and understood it so well that he was able to upgrade it. So that was 1984. And at that time, Umadi was 23 years old. Now, he was sent from that subsidiary in Mainz to the much bigger uh, IBM quarters in Stuttgart. And he was put in the R&D department and then started a career lasting for 10 years from 1984 to 1994, during which he rose from uh, beginner to a big system engineer with big money, big car, everything. Now, after in his spare time, namely in the evening, he started a project whereby he designed and marketed self-assembly biogenic houses. All right. So he not only became a self-thought engineer, he also became a self-thought architect. Yeah. So he constructed architecturally, he designed houses which then were built, or namely the components are built from organic materials, and he sold such houses. He sold them so well that next to the IBM career, which brought decent money, he started also to buy houses. And since he had this job now, it was also, as the people say, time to marry. He married a woman whom he loved, obviously, but the marriage turned out to be an ordeal. Because what he didn't know when they married is that the woman had a terminal cancer. No. Oh, poor man. It must have been one of the most ferocious cancers existing. Because within a year after the marriage, the woman withered away. Umadi tried everything to save her. But as he says himself, wasn't courageous enough yet to trust his own talents and intuition. And the woman was just afraid, as most people are, when they are struck by a fatal illness, and therefore listen to what happens with you in school medicine if you have a ferocious cancer, right? You get radiation, you get heavy medication, you get surgery, beams, steel, and chemo. That's all what they know. At that time, he trusted that process and it all went very wrong. No, he already at that time didn't trust that process, but he didn't have the courage to tell the family of his wife not to go that track. So he just served her, looked after her, tried to alleviate the pain, right? And at the same time, became witness to the whole process in the closest way possible. I mean, closest, uh, unless you have it yourself, right? So he was watching on an almost daily basis how each therapy or so-called therapy made the condition of his wife worse. And within a, a year, as I said, she died, right? Now, this experience, at the end of which he himself developed a stomach ulcer because he couldn't bear it psychologically anymore. This experience was the first time 
that he saw that he wants to work for a better health in life. However, the job at IBM was still going on. His architectural business also was still going on. So it took his second wife, whom he married seven years later, to change his career path by 180 degrees. She gave Humadi a lot of strength after what he had gone through. And they married, and in 1993, their first daughter, Lisa, was born, and in 1994, their second daughter. Now, when the first daughter was born in the hospital with Humadi, the father, present, he was so overwhelmed by this positive experience that when he drove home from there, he had a vision while driving. Apparently, this drive took him without noticing some four hours. And during this time, he had a real vision. I have read that from other people uh, than Humadi, who experienced similarly unique things. Now, during that drive, Before his eyes, he saw the future of humankind enrolling in the negative and positive sense. I mean, with all the environment destruction, with all the hazards humans are creating these days, with all the destruction on the earth, but also with the positive elements of great personalities who can fight or do something else in this mess, if you want so, and recreate a natural life. Okay, he, he, didn't, he didn't end up in a ditch because driving and experiencing this altogether might be a somewhat uh, dangerous process for the traffic, no? You say that, but uh, he describes that himself. He doesn't know how that was possible, but obviously it is possible. And by the way, I don't have such visions, but I... Know that from myself, if you are a, a seasoned driver and you drive like walking, right? You can drive for hours solving whatever problem in your brain and you just don't. Yeah, okay, but, but so, but so he saw a positive outcome and he saw a negative. It, it was so as he if saw he the had negative and positive sides of present humankind kind and the state of the earth. And he compared that with what he was doing. He was doing a lousy career, right? With lots of work and lots of bugs, uh, but he wasn't doing what he wanted. Because what he wanted was to actually participate in life or even more so not just participate, try to heal life. Yeah. So when he realized that, he decided to quit his job. His wife must be pretty shocked, but never mind. The next day, he quit the job at IBM at the earliest possible date, which, if I remember, remember correctly, was the 1st of January 1994. And 
Did he have an alternative for his salary? No. Means he had to start from the very scratch, right? He was already through working with these bioorganic houses uh, and in his private interests, he had always since childhood, and she realized that at the tender age of eight years, he had a talent for an altogether uncommon perception of how nature is working and also how the human nature is working. That's what we discussed earlier on, that is his natural talent for chemical and physical processes. So he started on that basis to follow his, if you want so, intuition and researching alternative, so-called alternative healing and health methods. That process actually already started while he was still at IBM because the shock, which I were talking about in connection with the tragic death of his first wife already had put him on that path that he was looking into a variety of diagnostic tools, healing tools, healing substances in the vast field which is summarized as alternative healing methods, right? So when he quit his job at IBM, although he didn't know how to live on his newly found mission, he knew what he was doing and kept studying, experimenting, and even healing. And for a while, he had enough money from the career before, right? He sold everything what he had. He then, even after four years, he separated from his wife because the wife couldn't stand the shift in career he did. Although they separated, he was looking after his daughters every weekend from Friday until Sunday even. We, I think we, we must reach the point where he invented Bootswater, was there, no? Yes, that was during these following years. Namely, when dropping out from that lucrative career at IBM and his real estate business, focusing uh, solely and exclusively on healing methods and healing substances, he recognized the enormous potential of water as, if you want so, the primordial substance. Now, he saw that water was much more than water in the laundry of his father, to get back to that, right? He also then came in contact with people like the Austrian Schauberger, who has written a book about the memory of water, who has, as a physicist and scientist, proven that water running through certain pipes generates such a character and running through other pipes has a completely different character. So 
on the basis of his talents to see what water is, he realized that water can be made free to perform different tasks. Now, one of the most basic tasks is to clean, right? And putzen is just the local dialect for putzen, and that means tidy, cleaning. So it's a cleaning detergent, but the water is pure water. Now, this works by a process which Umadi has developed and calls deinformation. Now, to put it in a nutshell, the deinformation process results in the creation of a primordial water with unlimited capabilities. Now, he then uses this deinformed water to give him certain informations by biophotonic processes, certain informations in the direction to clean dirt away or to heal animals or to improve the growth of plants or to assist the health of humans. Today, he has many patients with uh, who come to him with autoimmune disease, cancer, you name it, namely all those guys which can't be helped or can't be helped anymore by school medicine. And let's elaborate on this Bootswasser. How was it uh, received? The Bootswasser, uh, in the beginning when he started, it was very difficult. Apparently his first business even has to file for bankruptcy, but then after some 10 years, he had found how to do it. Also, he became, over that coming decade from 1994 to 2004, until the first end of the first decade of this millennium, he became more and more well-known since he added, on the one hand, new capabilities, and at the same time discovered new capabilities in himself. Okay, but now let's focus on what what does this cleaning water, this boots water, exactly do, and how does it work? The boots water, simply speaking, works like a cleaning detergent. You want to clean your pens, dishes, God knows what, you just spray it on and then clean it. And it's the most amazing product. I mean, you might remember that I use it at my home, everywhere, because that stuff literally does away with 80-90% of your cleaning detergents. Okay, so there are no detergents in it? No. There are no magnetic elements in it? No. It's treated, it is whatever way he does that, I'm not the guy to talk about that. It's what he calls de-informed and then enhanced with certain biophotonic elements, right? These are things which you hardly can measure. So according to normal standards, I mean, so-called material scientific standards, it's not allowed to work. However, he has done tests. It not only cleans, it also disinfects. Well, I I saw a test indeed that uh, was done in a laboratory, and it says that the germs were killed uh, and i saw uh, humadi's uh, reflection on that he said well the labyrinth doesn't know but the germs are not killed they are in another state they are 
minimalized or they they withdraw and after a certain time they can come back that's what well that's also normal uh, but he says that uh, so that the the Bootswasser has no aggressive effect no by contrary the completely amazing thing is that the Bootswasser so to speak can discern between different types of fat or dust in other words you can clean with it for 724 but you won't get a rash on the skin uh, do that with any other detergent you can uh, probably peel your skin away so you can use it in the house you can use it on your skin you can use it in in many ways uh, the most uh, the, the most convincing part i feel is when you use it for cleaning the windows what Umadi will explain to you, you normally clean the windows with your normal vitro cleaner or whatever it's called. And that stuff actually is infesting and sitting in the fine pores of the glass. Now, by sitting in the fine pores of the glass, the glass attracts dust. So in other words, the more you clean, the faster the glass gets dirty again. Of course, if you are cleaning maniac, you will see that after one day you have cleaned, there's already a dust trace going, so you can clean the glass every day. Now, what the Bootswasser does, by contrary, it actually cleans out the pores, the fine pores of the glass, so that after you have used it for a couple of times, the glass becomes not only much more shining, it also attracts a lot less dust, and therefore you need to clean a lot less. Now, I have tested that with our huge windows at home, which you know, right? and after using it for over a year, I literally have to clean half as much, and the glass is much cleaner. So it, it sounds as though he then took a patent on that and it was uh, thrown onto the market and now it's a thriving multinational business, isn't it? No, he has no patent on it. He has patent on nothing what he does, right? Because in his opinion as a spiritual guy, if you want so, he in principle doesn't work with patents. But still, he makes a living out of this. Yeah, he makes a living and he lives in a beautiful house at the rim of a small village next to a large fish pond, right? And that house is transformed into, I mean, at least the basement is completely transformed into a healing clinic. And half the house has diverse appliances which he uses to heal because his uh, attitude is or what he may mainly uses or his philosophy and practical method is that he says with water air and light you can heal every ailment provided you understand how they work so exit the inventor and enter the guardian of humanity correct because from these few stories which I have told, you may understand that the guy is capable, has extraordinary courage, 
and is a very loving human soul, right? Uh, what I quoted in the beginning, we may repeat, you are what you are prepared to give, and you become what you are prepared to be. And he goes that path. And so what what does that mean? Uh, what does he exactly then do for people? Because you say he helps people healing. Yes. But he says it's not him who heals them, right? He says you are healing you yourself. He only is opening the channel for that power which he calls creation. I mean, the creation to act. Now to give you an example, right? Yes. He, he, he is... As you said, uh, when we started this whole talk, you said he seems to be a, a physicist or a biochemist or what you, you name it. He, he is extremely well informed. He also, for example, uses one of the most striking diagnostic tools I have ever seen a gadget which is called the Hunter and has been apparently developed by the Russian equivalent of NASA. And you can do a complete body scan from your brain until your little toe, pretty much the way you can do with a CT or the uh, MRI. But this gadget works on the basis of a quasi-ultrasonic mechanism. Namely, you don't have to lie in this big uh, uh, magnetic field tunnel like with an MRI, but you just get two earphone types of things into your ear. And then you will, over a process, it takes quite a while. It takes actually, depending on how sophisticated the scan is performed, it might take over an hour but you get an imaginary of all your inner organs, your brains, etc., blah, blah, right? And that's what he uses to double check, so to speak, what he sees anyway as a, a diagnosis. And then starting from that diagnosis, what does he do to treat you? He does a number of things which are common. For example, he will also give you a re detox regimen so that your body gets free of uh, all sorts of dirt and components which don't belong into your body, but thanks to our today's way to eat and to live are in there, right? Like heavy metals, God knows what. Then he will give you a treatment based on drip water therapy, which we could go into as a separate subject. Now, after you are completely freed of all the dirt in your body, he also might give you a treatment with high-altitude air, right? Because he says light, air, and water. And at the end of all of that, since he is what you traditionally would call a shaman, he will pray with you. And um, you also talked about a process of dripping where he used uh, water to yes. clean right under the skin. Right. It's a method which actually is not invented by him, but 
it's known, but he has constructed his own device, which is a huge bathtub with several shower type of devices above it. So your body will be dripped upon with hot water from a distance of, I think it has to be something like two meters. And the effect, the physical effect is that by this dropping force, the water can has the capability to go into the subcutane, I mean subskin level and do a cleaning which normally would take you an enormous effort. Now, when you do that for a first time, and especially if you are a meat eater, that bathtub after two hours doesn't look like something you would recognize as a bathtub water. <laughs> okay. Have you tried it? I haven't tried it, but I have been there when other people tried it. Uh, I might try sometimes. The trouble is I feel too fit. So <laughs> I don't feel the urge to try it. So we must... Uh, we we are nearing the end of our podcast, uh, Tom. Mm. Is there something about Humadi that you, because he's much more than that. He's also a musician. He has made his, uh, this uh, song, Kitana Po, which I, yes. I heard him talk about on a YouTube interview in which he also says that it, it has, it has been revealed to him, this song. It's not something that he himself composed. Um, so he's very much a person who's extremely sensitive to waves, sound waves, light waves, and he uh, puts that back in something he gives to humanity. Correct. Well said. I mean, yeah. at the end, we might just draw attention to one of his more recent works, which he calls Human Museum Earth. Now, what he does in that text, which is not more than a few pages, is that he says the earth with the humans on it are like a giant museum, if you know how to look at it. Because in that museum, you will find whatever is existing, which is logic. But he puts the attention to that fact to give you a chance to change your perspective, to change your perspective from, and so to speak, egocentric one struggling in this society for success and elbowing your way from the bottom to the top. No, he wants to change you in a way that you start to look at your fellow human beings and recognize in their eyes what their heart wants to say, right? And that is the whole message of his, that you come to see the creation which is communicating to you through your heart and soul. But more than that, he also gives value to a value of consciousness to what we call lifeless material. I mean, it reminds me of an interview with uh, Ian McGilchrist, where he talks of uh, uh, the consciousness of rocks, the consciousness of uh, lifeless atoms. He says uh, it's something else than life, but there is consciousness out there that we don't see. 
And I, I feel somehow that with what uh, Humadi is doing, that he is uh, also testing in that field, no? Well, you hit the nail on the head, Timmy, right? This is exactly what he is doing or even preaching, if you want so. I mean, he is working to give you or any human being who is interested the opportunity to discover this type of true consciousness. And maybe it is at you might cut that or leave it. One of the most successful writers and most popular writers of our time, the guy who has written Homo Deus, finishes his book where he describes the usurpation and takeover of humankind by future robots. He asks three or four questions on the very last page of this extremely popular and successful work. And one, and for me the key question is, what is more important, intelligence or consciousness? For someone like you or me or Umadi, that is self-evident, but for many people, it's unfortunately not. Okay. Now, before uh, closing of this interview, Tom, you uh, you said you are writing a biography of uh, Umadi? Well, it happens that I started because not so long ago, we managed to do the crowdfunding for our podcast, which we are now conducting, but Already with that crowdfunding, we said we should do more. I mean, it's great to talk about these things. It would be greater if we then could, with a talk, have a biography where these personalities are really portrayed. And um, as great or maybe even greater, of course, would be a documentary movie about them. And someone has to write it. Someone has to start, right? So... <laughs> yeah. Well, I must thank you very much, Tom, for this uh, lovely interview. And uh, people who uh, are interested in Humadi's work, they can go to uh, the website. Uh, I think it's humanum. Dot Yeah. And uh, yeah, and you will. Well, people will maybe be amazed to see that it has a, a shop and then may think that it's an ordinary uh, an ordinary web shop. But if you read some things about uh, Humadi, you will uh, understand that he is much more than that. So I hope that you have enjoyed this interview, uh, people who are listening to this. And uh, I sincerely hope that you will come back to us for a fourth episode of the Guardians of Humanity podcast, the podcast to restore your faith in humanity. Thank you, Tom, and see you next time. Thanks a lot, Jimmy. Have a great day. You have been listening to another episode of the podcast to restore your faith in humanity. With us today was Tom Amat, the founder of the Guardians of Humanity, talking about Hubert Maria Dietrich, also called Humadi. Make sure to listen to our next podcast. We're keeping you in a suspense of who will be the guest, but be sure that she or he will be as inspiring, as interesting and as courageous as today's guest. We'll be glad to welcome you again. Thank you for listening.
face God demands In a human tongue Using words this plain